God, this is, this, is, this is a prophet, this is God speaking through a prophet, and he says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. This is towards you. God says he knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you personally. Take it personally today. And he says these are thoughts of peace and not of evil. They're to give you a future and a hope. So God has plans for your future, plans for your future well-being. God is thinking of you. And he has plans for you. But as we've said previously, but anything about the future implies that we're going to be stepping into the unknown. Because none of us have a crystal ball. Nobody knows. It's not in the Bible. It's not anywhere. Nobody has a crystal ball about what tomorrow holds. All we know is that we are going to go into tomorrow if Jesus doesn't return today. And it's going to be change. There is going to be the unknown. Just like on any journey, we're going to be going into the unknown. Now, the change that God wants for our life, the good plans for our life, aren't just going to come to pass just because God wants them for our lives. Psalm 139, lovely psalm. We, haven't, we won't put it up now, but um, within that, the, the, the David, David the, 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 the psalmist, the, the prophet, de declares prophetically that um, God... Uh, for Dane, the, he fashioned, God fashioned the days for us before one of them came to pass. God has fashioned the days for you. He's, he's, he has a plan for your life. But you know and I know that all of those good plans haven't come to pass. All of the bad stuff that happened in our lives, all the bad stuff that we did, God didn't plan us to do that bad stuff. That was our choice. And some of the bad stuff that has happened to us has been because of other people's stepping out of God's plan for their lives and doing harm to us and it causing us to end up in a cul-de-sac for a time of life. So our God's plans, the good plans that he has for your well-being, require our cooperation. Okay, and part of that, part of that cooperation is a willingness. He, he needs a willingness from us to embrace the life that is set before us, to embrace life where we are right now. Sandy shared a really good message a couple of weeks back, um, and you can find all the messages on the Family Church app uh, under Waterlooville Community, um, about embracing the new, about letting go of the past, and embracing what is new, embracing what God is doing today, embracing the now and the new. A really good message. There, there's a, a true confession here, right? I don't watch much TV, but, but there's one, there was one series I got hooked on called, the, of all things, The SEAL Team. U.S. Navy SEALs. Now, I'm not into war. I'm not into macho stuff. I'm really not, right? But this is really good stuff. It's, really, it's like really good action stuff. They're not blaspheming and swearing and gratuitous violence and sex and nonsense, you know. It's just really good action stuff. High-octane action, right? And these guys, they're like mantra. They mentor the SEAL team, right? These guys, they, they go into the, the, the hardest situations and their mantra is this, that you work the problem. Work the problem. What's the thing? What's the problem? You see, you're going to have a number of problems to get through to your, to your goal. And you just work the problem. What's the thing? They say, you live in a three-foot world. Live in a three-foot world. Direct your attention to the thing that is directly in front of you. Embrace the problem. Embrace the life that God has given you now. Whether, it's, whether you're living on a mountaintop at the moment, embrace it. Enjoy the good life God has given you. Don't feel guilty because you're enjoying good things. I mean, my, my upbringing, I was taught to be guilty about everything, right? And so if I was enjoying myself too much, I felt bad about it or worried about it because my mother said, well, don't be too happy because it's not going to last. 
And so it didn't, but I never enjoyed it while I had it. So embrace the life that God has for you right now. Whether it's bad, work the problem. If it's good, enjoy it, right? And as a saint, be sowing good seeds for the future. Be, be living in the moment, but make sure that you, you, you're sowing good seed for the future that you want. Like we've been saying, we don't control the future. We don't know what the future is going to bring, right? But we can live in a way now that means that we're going to have good results in the future. I mean, if you want to be a, a surgeon, you're going to go to university and study. You're going to apply yourself because that's what you want in the future. If you want to live with God's blessing on your life, live according to the principles that he reveals to us from his word. Paul, the greatest apostle, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said in Philippians 4, 11 to 13. Philippians 4, well, open right there, there we go. 4, 11 to 13. This is Paul speaking. He says, not that I speak in regard to need, and this is the important part. He says, for I have learned, in whatever state I am, to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere, and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we all love that part. Yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Right? But we're not Superman. We know it's all things that I need to do. And, you know, what is Paul on about you? I've learned to, to be hungry. I've Listen, you, you're hungry or you aren't. You're full or not. You, you're, a, you're abased or you're abounding. You, what does Paul mean he, he's learned? And obviously he's, he's talking about the fact that he has learned how to live well in whatever season he finds himself. He's learned, he's learned the value of contentment, hasn't he? He's, he's learned this is how you live well in the situation, whether it's that mountaintop experience and everything is going well and the sun is shining, or whether he's embracing a problem and working the problem. He has learned how to do it. And you know, the thing is that, that life with God is an individual matter. It really is an individual matter. You know, you can't easily take the, uh, the, the, the Word of God and apply it as a, as a formula to your life. I can't just say, well, this is what the Apostle Paul did, or this is what Abraham did, um, and just apply that directly into my life. It's not a formula that applies to my life, because your life and my life are individual matters with God. We work them out with God alone. But God provides us His, 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 His principles. He doesn't give us a formula, but it's like he gives us the ingredients for a recipe. Then you work out that recipe with the master chef himself, Jesus. But you walk with God through life by yourself, taking and applying his principles to your life and working out his plans for your life, cooperating with him. So God's plans for your future well-being well will bring change. They will bring change. And the truth is, we can't live successfully without change. You, you will never become the person God created you to be by staying who you are. As lovely as you are right now, right, and I love you all, but you will never become the person who God created you to be by remaining who you are now. We have got to learn to embrace the change that God has for us. God's plans for our future well-being demand our cooperation 
And I just want to bring this up. Genesis 12, 1 to 4. This was God speaking to Abraham. Now, you've probably all heard of Abraham. They, we refer to him as the father of faith. Um, he was one of the patriarchs of the, of, of, of the Jewish family. And God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 12. And, and he says these words to Abraham, and we're going to just put them up on the screen there. But basically what he says to Abraham is, Abraham, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave everything that is familiar to you. And I want you to go to a place that I will show you. I'm not even telling you where. I will tell you. I will show you. You just go. Pack up your goods. Leave your family. Leave your father's house. Leave all that is familiar to you. And go to a place that I'll show you. And he said, when you do that, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to make you a blessing. This is the important part. I'm going to make you a blessing. See, God does bless us. But his purpose is he blesses us so that we should be a blessing to others. We are blessed to be a blessing, not just to take it for ourselves and retain it for ourselves. So God says to him, go and I will bless you and in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And, and, and so he does. And you've got to ask yourself this question. If you know anything of the history of Abraham, how, how, how God asked Abraham who, who... Okay, I'll just pause here for a moment, just in case you don't know, right? So... The deal with God and Abraham was that, that um, Abraham was childless. Abraham and his wife Sarah were childless. And, and they had prayed and asked, you know, wanted a child, wanted a child. And um, so part of the covenant between God and Abraham, God said, you go and I'll bless you. And he promised them that, that he would give him a child, that he would give him a, a son, an heir, and that all the nations would be blessed through this heir of his. So eventually at the age of, of 100, when Abraham is 100, his wife is 90, they, they have this child, Abraham. They have this child, Isaac, rather. But once he's received that child, God then asks him, after 13, at the age of 13, God says to him, now I want you to go and sacrifice your child to me, a sacrifice with a knife to me. And Abraham obeys. Abraham, and the Bible tells us that Abraham's faith in God was so strong. He knew that God had promised him this son, Isaac from his wife Sarah his faith was so strong that he knew that even if even if God allowed him to go through with it and sacrifice his son that God would raise that child from the dead if he had to and so and so because of his of his act of obedience because he was willing to 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 sacrifice his own son the Bible says that he looked God that God stopped him and he said no don't do that don't touch the boy don't harm the boy and he looks up and there is a ram caught in the thickets and that's where we get Abraham comes to his famous words. He says, it's okay, my son. God will provide for himself a lamb. And Jesus Christ, God's firstborn, became that lamb. So, I said all that. I hope you... Are you still with me? Yeah. You're still with me? Cool. Okay, so I said all that so that, you, so that you understand that what if Abraham hadn't cooperated with God? What if Abraham hadn't taken that very first step of obedience inspired by faith but what if he hadn't done it the thing is when god calls us to do something when we feel and and, and look we, we we don't hear a voice coming from a burning bush anymore and things like that right if you do get help all right come and talk to us all right but that's not the way god god will speak to you from the inside he will, he's got various ways of connecting with you 
He's a very intelligent being. He knows how to get your attention out. I'll talk to you, okay, without making you think you're nuts. All right. But if God, and when God, does prompt you to do something like he prompted us to leave South Africa and to come here 20 years ago, when he, when he does, you take that first step of obedience. Once you've spent time and made sure that you believe this is God, you take that first step. Because if you don't take that first step, the second and the third steps aren't going to happen. You're going to stay where you are. And we will never accomplish that for which God created us. We will never become who God created us to be if we stay who we are. We have got to take a step of faith. We have got to take God at His word. You know, faith, faith is a verb. It's a doing word. You know, the Apostle Paul said, faith without works is dead. And, 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 and so part of this, now I'll just come into a close now because the food is smelling good and you're doing great though, well done, I've still got your attention. But part, part of that walk with God requires letting go of the past, letting go of the comfort of the familiar and, and, and reaching forward. And Sandy preached a really good message on that as well a couple of weeks ago. Gosh, she's really getting a, a, a note here today, isn't she? But, but you've got to be able to, to let go of the past in order to embrace the future. You know? And I was thinking of this. If you've ever seen a chameleon, have you seen a chameleon? They can look in two directions at the same time. They'll have one eye looking forward and one eye looking back. That's what a chameleon does. And you know what? We don't want to be like chameleons. You, in order to embrace the life that God has got for you, you've got to be focused. Face forward. Look at the life that God has given you. He's given this great big windscreen and a tiny little rearview mirror. Don't be looking back, but be looking forward. Embrace the life that God has given us. Don't be looking back like a chameleon. Um, like the Apostle Paul said, the one thing I do, one thing I do, letting go of what's behind and laying hold of what's ahead. It's one thing, it's not two things. Letting go of what is behind and laying hold of what is ahead. You've got to do both at the same time. You've got to have something to, to look forward to that enables you to let go of the past. But in order to, to lay hold of the future, you've got to let go of the past. It's what, it is one thing. It is one and the same thing, letting go of what is behind and laying hold of what is before you. Recently I've been exercising. I know you can tell that already, as I suck my cheeks in. But, but it's taken me a long time because, because up until now, for the last 18 months, I've been working from home and the most exercise I got was walking from my bedroom over to the study, sitting down and working all day, and then going back again at night time. So I've started a, an exercise plan. I've got a, I've got a treadmill, and, um, and I've had to start really slowly, start building myself up. And the first thing I had to do when I started was assess myself. I had to assess myself correctly before I began. I had to say, what kind of shape am I in? Where, where am I going to start? Because you need to have a plan. You need to know how much am I going to, how far can I push myself? without injuring myself because there's no good just overdoing it and then I'm on crutches for weeks. I pulled my Achilles or something silly, right? And so I had to assess myself on that. And the, the, the results came back rather disappointing. The results were poor. I was in bad shape, like really bad shape. But I tell you what, the, although it was bad shape, it was actually, it was still good because it was the truth. The truth was I was in bad shape, but at least I'd assessed myself correctly. And you know, Proverbs, I, I thought of this. This, this, this makes me feel better. Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, 
but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You know, I would rather have bad news if it's the truth than good news if it's not true, because we, the, the truth is all we've got. The truth is, the, is our starting place. No matter where we are in life, and you can apply this, you know, this is a little analogy of me doing, trying to get my exercise routine started, but as far as God's plans and purposes for your life are concerned, we need to assess where we are now and what are our weaknesses. You know, before I started, I, I recognized, okay, one of, the, one of the places I always seem to injure myself is my Achilles, my Achilles tendon. So when I started running, I, w- I would do a combination of walking and then increase it to a run and then back off to a walk in, and I would stop and I would assess, how's my Achilles feel? I haven't overdone it. How's, how are my knees? How are my joints? Make sure I'm not overdoing it. And then I'd push it a bit, push it a bit further week by week, push it till I was uncomfortable, and then stay there for a week or so until I got comfortable, assessing the whole time where I'm going. And it's the same thing with our walk with God. We work out our plan with God. We work out our own salvation with God, our own walk with God over time. The, the plans, we refine them with them. They're refined as we live through life, as we, as we embrace the life that is before us. God helps us to, to refine those plans as we apply his principles to our lives. Like I said, there is no great formula that we can just take a general formula and just say, this is the way we live. We don't live by a bunch of commandments anymore. God said that what he wants from us is just the willingness the willingness to, to yield ourselves to him and to live life according to his principles, which are, by the way, still fulfilling all the requirements of the law, you know, loving your neighbors, forgiving your enemies, all these things, they, they are all contained within there. But trusting God and yielding ourselves to him, applying his principles to our lives as we embrace the life that is before us, work the problem, Whatever it is, if you're on a mountaintop, enjoy it. But recognize that it's God who has blessed you and rejoice in Him with it. Yeah. We all have dreams, and I'll just close with this. We all have dreams in life, or we, I hope we do. I hope we all have dreams for our lives, plans and purposes. But the truth is, those dreams will remain on our pillows unless we actually start to do something about them. Now, we don't go running ahead and try and do a 10-kilometer when the, the, all the exercise you've got is walking from the study to the bedroom for, for a year and a half. You build up slowly. Determine for yourself how far, can, how far can I trust God in each area of my life? How far do I trust God with health, with my health and well-being? I get a cold. I start resisting that. I go up to his word, and I, and I find principles from his word and I I know that I can resist that sickness and so I start developing my faith in that area and I start walking with God in the area of health and well-being in in financial provision he says that you know don't worry about tomorrow you know seek first the kingdom of God and and all your needs will be provided to you and and he says the birds he provides for the birds of the air so I know that he'll provide for me but but how far can I trust him to provide for me Assess myself correctly. He's not, there, there is no right and wrong answer. The only right answer is the truth. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. God is not looking for us to pretend we're something when we're not. The truth is we are all a work in progress. So I'm going to close with that and just encourage you today. 
Embrace the life that God has for you. Embrace the God that gave you life. And, 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 and ask Him and, and seek His face for the, the way forward for your life, from where you are now. Ask Him to help you to assess where you are, to assess your strengths and your weaknesses, to, to, to bring good friends alongside you who can help you to get onto His paths for your life. He's got a good plan for your future well-being. He really does. He wants to give you a future and hope. He wants you to know it. He wants you to have hope in life. He is for you. He's not against you. So assess yourself correctly. Get good friends alongside you. Seek his face. And, um, and that's it.